Uh, we are starting a new sermon series called Faith and Reason, and uh, we're going to look at uh, what it looks like to be a follower of Christ, and can that be something that the world sees as reasonable? Is it foolish or reasonable to have faith in God? Uh, and those of us who have faith in God, can we learn things from reason? Is it okay to look at science? Is it okay to look at physics? Is it okay to look at philosophy? Is that being faithful uh, using our brains? So we're going to be looking at that over the next few weeks, and so it should be a lot of fun, and uh, I'm glad you're here for part of this discussion. Um, today I want to start just by taking you back to 1938 uh, to a, a young teenager whose name was Bill Hamilton. And he and some of his best friends uh, were doing uh, some childlike activity that you might not approve of. They were building pipe bombs. And uh, it wasn't for terrorism. It was kind of a different time period. Uh, they just wanted to blow stuff up and have a good time. Uh, and you might not be surprised that it didn't go well. Uh, but tragically, it went horribly. Uh, two of the boys died. And so uh, Bill Hamilton was a survivor, and he was left, and he was really wrestling with this. And so one of his friends was an Episcopalian, a believer in God, and he died. Uh, one was a Roman Catholic. He believed in God, and he died in the pipe bomb uh, incident. And then they had a friend who was an atheist, and he didn't have a scratch on his body. And so Bill Hamilton uh, began to ask the question, like, where is God in this? Right? People have faith in God. They're the ones that get killed. Like, what's going on? It's not good that anyone got killed, uh, atheist or believer or not, but... Bill started wrestling with, where was God, and why did God allow this to happen? No one teenager should die, even though they were doing things they shouldn't have been doing. And so Bill really wrestled with that. He wrestled with that at their funerals. He wrestled with that while he remained in school. He wrestled with it when he joined the Navy as an adult. He wrestled with it so much that he went to seminary and studied theology, and he became a theology professor, and he continued to wrestle with that question, where is God in this? And he really began to doubt in God. He doubted the concept of God, that God is a creature, an entity that intervenes in everyday life. And he really, really wrestled with that. Uh, to the point that he ended up on Time Magazine in 1966 uh, in this article, Is God Dead? Or is the concept of God dead? Is it something that we need to walk away from? And so today, if we're honest, we all probably wrestle with that question, whether we're believers or, or we don't believe. Sometimes we wonder, well, is, is it rational to believe in God? Is it rational to believe that God is real and God acts in our lives, that God intercedes in our lives? And, and why does God sometimes do that, and why does God sometimes apparently not do it? Is it rational to believe this, or do we need to let this concept of God kind of just die? Right? That was kind of the impetus for this Time Magazine article where Bill Hamilton and some other theologians and philosophers said, you know what, um, this idea of God intervening life is just something we need to let go of. Like We like Jesus, we like reading about him in the Bible, he's a good guy, we need to be good to each other, but does it seem like God is an active God in our lives in ways that we would want God to be? And this is a, a, an idea that goes way back even be, beyond uh, Bill Hamilton. We can trace it back all throughout history. But one of the most uh, probably infamous or famous um, philosophers who really doubted God's existence was Friedrich Nietzsche. Uh, he was in the 19th century during the Enlightenment and the onset of modernity. And basically Nietzsche said this. He said that the concept of God is something that we've made up because life is so hard 
and it's just difficult to live that, that we've created this image of God to help us get through life, kind of like a crutch. Life's just hard. We're not man or woman enough to face it. And so we've created this image or this idea of God uh, to get through life. And Friedrich Nietzsche said, enough's enough. We got to face reality. Got to put on our big boy pants, put on our big girl pants to realize there is no God. We're making up, just face it, life's tough. Suck it up and deal with it. Right? And so that was Friedrich Nietzsche's kind of uh, addition to philosophy from which we see things like Bill Hamilton coming later down the road. And so um, interesting to think about that. I guess the question today is what do you believe? What do you, why are you here? What do you believe? Is believing in God real? Is it rational? Is it foolish? Should we trust that there is a higher power than us? Um, so certainly, like last week, we celebrated Easter. Uh, which we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We believe that Jesus is God, the Son of God, who came down to the earth and died on a cross and came back to life so that you and I could be in a right relationship with God. That all the wrong things that we do are forgiven by Jesus. He takes our guilt and our shame and our physical death and our brokenness, which the Bible calls hell, and he defeated that on the cross when he came back to life. And we celebrated that last week. We celebrated the resurrection. We, we believe that here. Like, I just want to give you guys assurance that I believe in God and Jesus and all that kind of stuff, right? So don't, don't worry that I'm flaking out on you, but a lot of people don't, right? And so we celebrated the resurrection last week, and we, we talked about, is, is it rational for us to believe that Jesus came back to life? Because that's kind of crazy, right? It sounds kind of weird, like a sci-fi movie or something Marvel Comics would do, right? Is it rational to believe that Jesus is real, that he's resurrected? And we talked last week about how these Harvard genetic, genetic, geneticists, I guess, are, are studying like the human body, and they think that, that they're going to be able soon to be able to hack the body, like our DNA, and, and reset organs that don't work. Like if you have heart disease, that they can reboot your heart. If you have lung disease, reboot your lungs. If you have Alzheimer's, to reboot your brain, right? And they believe that someone's already been born who's going to live to be 150 years or older because they can reboot parts of our body, right? If they keep doing that, like how long could we live? And like if human beings can do that, imagine what God could do. So we talked about that last week, and we talked about the resurrection. Just some other things maybe to think about as we think about, is the resurrection of Jesus logical? Is it rational? Just a couple other things maybe for us to think about uh, when you look at the story of Jesus, some other reasons that it's probably rational to believe that Jesus was really resurrected from the dead. One of them is that why would the early Christian church make this up? Because to say that Jesus died would have been an embarrassment, right? Jesus is supposed to be God, supposed to be the Son of God, supposed to come and save the world. And he turned out to be this weak guy who got killed. That's embarrassing. Why would the early church make that up? And so that's one reason that we, we might want to think that this probably something there to the resurrection. Another thing uh, that we can look at rationally and say that some of the early witnesses of Jesus' resurrection we're women. Now in 21st century world, you know, that, that's not a problem. But in first century Israel, women were not credible witnesses, right? Ladies, don't get mad at me. Don't shoot the messenger, right? That's just what they believed at the time. So for some of the main witnesses to be uncredible witnesses, that doesn't make sense. So maybe there's some truth to the resurrection. We also look at the disciples of Jesus, how there was a, an incredible change, like a 180 change in, in, in what they did as, as 
followers of Jesus, when they were with Jesus, when he was alive, before he died, right? Sometimes they did good things and, and they followed Jesus, but a lot of times they were, they were bumbling and foolish. And, and when Jesus needed them the most, they ran away. They were scared. They were cowards, right? But when they see the risen Jesus, something happens. They're like, wow, like he came back just like he said he would. And so when the very same people who arranged to have Jesus killed tell the disciples to stop preaching and, and teaching and doing miracles, the disciples say, no, we will not stop. Right? There was a shift in that. And, and, and several of them went on to be martyred. They stood up to the authorities. They continued to follow Jesus, and they were killed. Like So how do these men and women move from being cowards to being martyrs for Jesus? They had to have seen something that absolutely changed them. And then, like some of the, uh, the opponents, the biggest enemies of Christianity, switched over to follow Christ. Right? There was a man named Saul who was a Jewish religious leader, and he hated the early Christian church. He thought it was blasphemy. He thought it was just crazy what they were doing. And so he had Christians arrested. He had Christians killed. Right? He was public enemy number one to the early church until he saw the risen Jesus, right? And this vision, and it totally flipped. And he became a pastor for Christ, and he started churches, and he wrote most of the New Testament, right? This guy named Saul changed his name to Paul. Like, if he moved from the biggest enemy of the church to the biggest leader in the church, like, something had to have happened. Right? So having faith in the resurrection, from my perspective, for these reasons that we've talked about, can be rational. Right? What do you believe? What do you think? Is it, is it rational for us to have faith? Is it rational for us to believe in things like Jesus and things like the resurrection? What, what do you think about that? And so I want to go back into Scripture today to a, a story before Jesus is killed uh, that talks about the resurrection. And let's think about this from a, a faith perspective. Let's think about it from a reason perspective, right? So Jesus has these friends. They're a brother and two sisters. Lazarus is the brother. Mary and Martha are the, are the sisters. And they're really good friends of Jesus. And he's hanging out with them a lot. They're part of his entourage, his disciples. And he's away from them. Uh, and he gets a message that Lazarus is really sick and he's going to die. But they sent Jesus the message in the hopes that, hey, Jesus, you can stop this. We, we've seen you heal people. We've seen you do amazing things, right? You've done this for strangers. We need you to do it for one of your very best friends. So come back and heal Lazarus. And then Jesus, the Bible says, does something that kind of blows your mind. Like it seems maybe out of character. He delays coming back on purpose so that Lazarus is going to die. Now, that sounds heartless, right? It sounds heartless, right? But Jesus says, I'm doing this because I'm getting ready to do something else that's going to help many people believe in me and what I'm about, okay? So that's, that's kind of where we set up the story. So now Jesus is coming back after Lazarus is dead, and one of the sisters is going to come out and see Lazarus, and she's upset with Jesus, as rightly so. All right, let's see what happens as we, as we look through this scripture in John's Gospel 11, verses 17 through 20. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days, right? He's dead. Uh, now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Kind of like we do today. We surround people with love who've lost a loved one. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. 
But Mary stayed at home. Mary's evidently more angry with Jesus than Martha is. I don't even want to see him, right? You can go see him, Martha, right? So Martha comes to him. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you'd come when we ask you, he wouldn't have died. You've healed strangers. You've healed all kinds of people, right? If you'd have been here, your friend, my brother, would not have died. That's an emotional scripture. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. I might be mad at you, but I still believe in you. And if you want to do something about this, you can do that, right? God will give you what you ask. So Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day, right? Yes, when Jesus brings at the end of time and all the followers of Jesus are going to be resurrected at the same time, I know that Lazarus at the end of time, whenever that is, I will see him again, right? That's what she's saying. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life, right? These are some of my favorite passages of scripture, right? Just, just check these out. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Right? Even though they die, they will live again. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And this is his question to Martha, his question to us. Do you believe this? Right? I'm the resurrection, I'm the life. Even though you die, yet shall you live if you believe and follow me. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. She said, Absolutely, I believe it. Right? I'm sad, I'm angry, but I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you will do what you say you will do. Right? So after this, Mary comes and she talks to Jesus. She gets through her anger, she gets through her frustration, whatever. She talks to Jesus, and we read a very powerful passage of Scripture, the shortest verse in the Bible. It says Jesus wept. Right? Jesus just lost it. He's like... My friend Lazarus died. It was, you know, I I delayed on purpose. I'm going to do something cool about that. But it still hurts. It hurts Mary. It hurts Martha. It hurts all those who love Lazarus. It shows that Jesus is with us in our hard times, right? As we sang in some songs here in Modern today, as we talked about last week at Easter Sunday, we talked about how Jesus is with us uh, in good times and bad. We talked about Jesus being in the tomb last week, right, where Jesus understands what it's like to be betrayed and tortured and killed. He knows what it's like to suffer, to be on the the wrong side of the tombstone, right? But we also know that that Jesus is with us in the good times, like through the resurrection. When things happen that are good for us, we get the job, right? We we get the relationship. We, We find healing, right? Jesus is with us on both sides of the tombstone, right? When we're going through the hard times, we're going through the good times. We see it again in the story of Lazarus, Jesus wept. He was with them. He was with them when he needed them, when they needed him. Right? And then Jesus does something that's kind of crazy. He goes over to the tomb, right? Lazarus has been in there four days. I think in the King James Version, it says he stinketh, right? You know, like it, it's a serious thing, right? He's dead. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus, dead for four days, right? Comes out of the tomb, Right? The resurrection happens. Right, This is kind of a, a glimpse of what Jesus is going to do himself. It's a glimpse of what's going to happen to you and me at the end of time. Like, like Martha said, right? Lazarus, come out. Now, it's important that Jesus said Lazarus by name because if not, all of the dead people come out and be like the, uh, the return of the living dead, right? right? Like a zombie movie. Like people be freaking out, right? So, right? But Lazarus, come out. 
And again, pretty soon it's going to happen to Jesus. He's going to die on the cross. He's going to be in the tomb, right? On the third day, he comes out and he's resurrected so that you and I can be in a right relationship to God, so that you and I can get rid of our guilt and our shame, have it replaced with joy and inner peace and love, and we can live a life in this earth that's to the full. We can live forever in the kingdom of heaven. That's what we celebrated last Sunday on Easter. That's what we celebrate every Sunday, right? Every Sunday is an Easter, right? We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Do you believe it? Is it rational for you? Is it faithful for you? What do you believe? So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the so what, so what moment today? I think it's this. I think Nietzsche was partially right. Jesus was dead, right? God is God dead, is God dead. Jesus was dead, but now Jesus is alive, right? Jesus was dead, right? The, the human, you know, part of the divine Jesus was dead, and now Jesus is alive, right? Jesus is alive. And so action step, right? Something to wrestle with this week when you go home, right? What do you believe? Right? That same question that Jesus asked to Martha, right? She, she said, I'm the resurrection, I'm the life. Right? Some people are going to think that's foolish. Some people are going to think that's rational. What do you believe? What do you believe? Right? Wrestle with this. Think about this. Right? Embrace this truth. I'm the resurrection and the life. What do you believe? That's a good question, isn't it? Right? Because in my experience as, as a pastor, a follower of Jesus, I've seen God do amazing things among, among people, among this congregation. I've seen people healed. I've seen people get jobs. I've seen relationships repaired. I've seen weddings and births and amazing things where God is truly with us and we've celebrated. I've also witnessed some horrific things to good Christian people, just like Bill Hamilton, who, uh, who saw his friends get killed with the pipe bomb, right? I've buried people from the age of one day to the age of 99. I've seen marriages fall apart. I've seen people get sick and die. I've seen people lose jobs. I've seen all the stress. But what I've also seen is in that time, the only way that people got through that was through Jesus, that their faith helped them through a difficult time, that Jesus was with them, that Jesus gives them the hope that even when someone dies, that we will see them again. And that can be a rational belief. So again, from last Sunday, Jesus is with us on both sides of that tombstone. When we're in the tombstone and it's dark and it's dreary, right, when things seem like there's no hope, Jesus is with us. When we get through whatever it is we're going through, when we get on the other side, we get on the resurrection side of that stone, Jesus is with us in the celebration. But I need you to ask yourself the question, why are you here today? In person, in a church, watching and joining us in worship online, listening to a podcast, I think you're here today somewhere deep down inside of you because you want to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. That Jesus does what he says he will do. That he loves you. That he forgives you. That he has plans for your life. That he is with you in hard times. And that he's with you in the good times to celebrate. Why are you here? And if you wrestle with belief in Jesus, that's okay. We all wrestle with that, right? I've wrestled with that, and I'm a pastor, right? And so if you're wrestling with that, it's okay, right? Maybe this is, this is what God wants you to do is to wrestle with that because you're getting ready to have a breakthrough, 
with Jesus, right? We talked about Friedrich Nietzsche, like from the 19th century, this philosopher. I want to tell you about another philosopher that lived a couple hundred years before Nietzsche. Right? In the 17th century, his name was Blaise Pascal. And you know what he said about faith and reason? He said, a rational person, a rational person should live as if God really exists. A rational person should live as if God really exists and should seek to believe in God. Because he says, what do you really have to lose? If you're wrong, you haven't really lost much. You're probably living a happier life. You have a better support system and with other believers. Right? You're probably healthier overall. Right? What would you lose? Maybe missing out on some wild living right? that probably gets you in trouble anyway. Right? So he's like, you have nothing to lose to live as if God exists. But what if, what if you're right and that God does exist? that your life will be more full because you lived with God now. That when you die, you will be in the glorious kingdom of heaven forever, right? What if you're right? What if Jesus is who he says he is? What if he does what he says he does? And so Blaise Pascal said, it's worth taking it. The, 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 he called it a wager, like, it's like a bet. Like, what do you have to lose? Right? What do you have to gain? And so if you're wrestling with faith, if you're struggling with faith, then here's one more action step that I would invite you to think about, right? Live as if God exists. Give it a chance. See what happens. Live as if God exists, right? Come to church. Study the scriptures. Help other people in the name of Jesus. What do you have to lose? Just give it a chance. I can tell you from personal experience that you're not going to be disappointed overall. Right? You'll go through some ups and downs like the mountains and the valleys. But if we live as this God exists, we're going to discover that he really does and that he will change your life for the better. Right? He will change your life for the better. Jesus was dead. Jesus is alive. What do you believe? Live as if God exists and see what happens. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.